Avi Anmani, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome to 101.9 High FM. It's exactly one minute past the hour 12. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for all the positive feedback that I got from the show last um, last week. I know I did um, say I was going to ask Wayne about the sign of share. And we just absolutely ran out of time. And uh, a lot of people found that last uh, 10 minutes. So I spoke to Wayne about his passion, about older cars, um, you know, vintage cars. I think uh, a lot of people were quite excited about that. I just found it very interesting that all of a sudden, a lot of people are getting into that market and therefore the prices have been I think unrealistically inflated but if you're holding an older car it might be worthwhile just to hang on to it because it might be worth something but it's a new year and one thing that I know is happening in my family and is happening in a lot of uh, families across our communities that kids finish school in December, they finish matric and now they've gone either for a gap year or they're going overseas to university or they're going overseas to yeshiva or to SEM, whatever it is and the rand dollar becomes a major major issue. You now have to fund schooling in dollars as opposed to funding it here in rands. You need spending money which is in foreign currency, again usually in dollars and um, the ongoing battle that you have as to when do you buy your currency? How do you hold it? How do you send it out? Um, you know, do you try to pay up front? Do you, do you rent cost average it and pay the, 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 the institution on a monthly basis? Well, those are things that you would have to sort of work out on your own. But to try and help us navigate the quagmire, which is foreign currency, which is the rand, Bianca Bertus, welcome back to Chai FM. Thank you. It's good to be here. Did you have a good break in December? I didn't have a break, unfortunately. I worked right through December, obviously, with the whole ANC NEC election. Do I need to give Jeff a call and ask him to release the chain from your leg? Maybe Andres the toy. <laughs> Jeff, not so much. Let's keep him out of this. His hands are clean. Uh, okay, so we're, we're, we must make sure we target the guilty party. The guilty party, absolutely. But I am going on a break end of Jan. Oh, fantastic. So that's clever. Going away when the rest of us are not there. So you have wherever you're going to yourself and it's not clogged up with uh, with all the volleys, as they like to it's, say. It's nice and quiet and it's a bit cheaper, which is always the win. Yes, let's not rub that in. Um, Bianca, on that note, just uh, just totally aside from what we're talking about, um, I've just come from uh, from a meeting where international travel was the major subject. And what it comes out at is that if you do your planning correctly, a holiday in Mauritius in December, if you plan correctly, is cheaper than a holiday in Cape Town. Absolutely. And it's funny you're saying that. I'm actually heading to Mauritius end of this month. So there you go. And there they're talking about December. Yes. If you get your tickets booked, not paid for necessarily, but booked before the end of March, and you know where you're going and you're hiring a villa, um, you're looking at 300 rand a person a night, which is something that you can't get in the heart of Cape Town in December. Absolutely. And obviously it's not as crowded because it is international travel. A lot of people prefer not to travel with their kids necessarily. And when you go to Cape Town, all the prices are inflated, not only on in the food prices in the shopping centers, but also stuff like Uber. So getting around from one point to the next. And it also takes you forever because the, the roads are so cluttered that you can barely move. You know, one, one thing we do when, when we go down to Cape Town, we know the 25th and the 26th, and the 26th is worse than the 25th. And the first and the afternoon of the second, just get out of town. Just just go somewhere. Pack up in the morning, sort of dodge the traffic, and come back later 
ones that place has already been trashed because you're just going to be frustrated the whole day sitting there. If you have, that, if you have the opportunity to get out, then to do that. But Bianca, you um, at Corporate Treasury Management at Peregrine Treasury Solutions, let's talk obviously about the RAND. The, the RAND, we know, is the most widely traded currency in the world. Um, it is a currency in a way that we need to be very proud of. It is a South African currency. Lots of countries have currencies, but a lot of currencies are connected or very closely track the dollar. South African rand is a maverick. It does its own thing because it has what to back it up by. But let's go back a little bit. Where's the rand come from in the last year? Where do you see it heading? Um, and what's the general mood around the currency? So currently the sentiment surrounding the RAND is very positive. Um, last year the lowest level we reached was 1247, coming from about 1448. Um, currently this morning actually we broke through 1225, mm. briefly touched on 1220, currently back at about the 1223 level. But the general sentiment towards it has changed. Last year, a lot of people were very um, skept skeptic about it. They were scared that it was going to maybe potentially hit 15 coming into the ANC-NEC election. And markets responded very well to Sir Ramaphosa stepping in. And then also the subsequent recovery and confidence in the leading party that that brought about. You said the market um, responded very well. Um, we, we know they did, but... When the RAND volatility first started, um, that was, I'm, I'm trying to work out how old I am and where I was at the stage. That was the early 80s. And we saw the RAND going from stronger to the dollar to the dollar and then weaker to the dollar. Then it started dropping by a couple of cents. And, and then all of a sudden, in the last 10 years, we've seen movements in RANDs where you can move 50 rand cents a RAND in a day without like, blowing the socks off. Five rand is is a big move, but it it sort of wouldn't cause pandemonium. Um, but yet, when December happened, we saw very little movement, which means that the underlying value of the currency is there. Yes, absolutely. So I think currently at the moment it's a bit overvalued. Um, if you look, go look at fundamental value of the rand, it's closer to about the three um, thirteen twenty thirteen fifty range. Currently, what's driving it is a a weak dollar. We've seen the dollar underperforming significantly December leading up to today. Um, stronger commodity prices is boosting the rand, and then obviously the underlying political sentiment that's currently in the market. The volatility we're seeing is a, or the lack of volatility rather, is a because a lot of it has already been priced in. Correct. And then B, like you said, the underlying fundamental value is there. Are we performing significantly in comparison to other sub-Saharan countries? Absolutely not. But are we having economic growth? Yes. Is there economic activity? Yes. Is there sentiment coming from local as well as foreign markets? Yes. But that growth is muted. The growth is definitely muted. Is it better than 2016, 2017? The forecast, absolutely. 2016, we saw growth of 0.3%. 2017, 0.8%. This year, the forecast is 1.1%. And if Sir Ramaphosa is able to push his pro-economic policies, we could potentially even see 2%. That's if it just doesn't take away all the, all the agricultural land. Uh, that's another discussion for another time. And I know that was almost an irresponsible statement that I just made. But, you know, I'm, I'm, 
when he's turned around and said that that will boost economic um, growth and agricultural growth by taking land away without compensation, I think it needs a discussion on its own. Um, and I need uh, someone who is an expert in that field to unpack that. But just before we go to the break, coming back to the rand, a weak dollar, is that not indicative of a strong American economy? Because the dollar is a store of wealth. When everybody's rushing into the dollar to hold their money there, they haven't got, haven't got any other opportunities or they've got less opportunities. When the economy is booming, rather put a day where you can earn a return on the investment in a business rather than a almost paltry interest rate in dollars. Absolutely. The American economy has performed very well, um, contrary to everybody not having that much faith in Trump and maybe still not having that faith in Trump. Um, he is still struggling to pass policy. There's a lot of, of speculation regarding the tax reform that is implementing. And what he's saying is not necessarily being perceived as positive news, but the underlying data is actually very, very economically positive for the states. Um, and then also, unfortunately, as long as this whole North Korean-America nuclear war is, is weighing in, the dollar will be under pressure. You know, Bianca, last night there was a power failure. I don't know if you had it where you live. Luckily not. No, so this whole area here, all the way down to the south, there was no power. So on my iPad, I've been had nothing. Without a modem, all of a sudden you, you can't do anything. It's quite interesting. So I was watching a bit of Trevor Noah, and he was taking off Trump. And it was funny, and he's he's a genius and a master at what he does. But when we come back from the break, what I want to discuss with you a little bit is the Trump economy and what it's doing to the rest of the world. Because I feel that we almost need to separate the clown of a man to the genius of a business person and how and someone who is almost politically naive. And how those three come together, and it might either be a toxic elixir or it might be a magic elixir we need to wait and see let's take a quick break we'll be back in a moment Avi on money 12 to 1 p.m. only on 101.9 Chai FM back to 101.9 Chai FM in the studio with me is Bianca Buertas from Peregrine Treasury Solutions Bianca when I said to you like okay we've got a brief as to what we're going to discuss but what are we going to discuss you said everything and anything so just Going down that uh, that line with you, um, in one of Trump's books, he wrote many years ago that he was refurbishing the dining room in one of his hotels. I don't remember which one it was. And he got a quote in, and the, the contractor came out with these big, heavy, gaudy chairs that were just, they were just kitsch, and there were a lot of velvet, because that's what he perceived what that was wanted. and But what ticked Trump off was that the price was incredibly inflated. It's a fancy hotel, it's for Trump, it's this, this, this. And he called in another contractor who came in and turned around and said, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we actually just get rid of these heavy, overbearing chairs, put something simple, something functional, something easy and comfortable to sit in. And not only that, we can get 10% more people around the table than we can with this. And the price was a fraction of that. And what the message that he was trying to give across was that sometimes less is more. Sometimes just being careful and looking at the detail and just getting a different perspective in. And that's what I feel that Trump brings to the world economy is that he's not stuck in his ways. I often felt that with Obama there was 
playing to the media. It was populist economics. It was saying things that everybody wanted to. But the policies didn't work. The American people were losing jobs. The American economy was hemorrhaging. And Tom's saying, we've got to reverse all that. He just doesn't say it very nicely. If he went about and did it without saying so much and he threw his cell phone away, that would also help. Um, but is not a strong American economy good for everybody? And my last word on the matter before I let you answer is that we wouldn't be sitting where we are today on the JSE if the, the rest of the world markets weren't so strong. Absolutely. Um, American economics always plays a role in the global market. I think the fear of Trump comes in with you don't really know how to analyze him and you don't really know what to take from what he's saying. And the markets learn very quickly that just take what he says as face value because what he says is most likely what he's going to do. Um, you were mentioning that less is more. I think his Twitter followers would like for him to actually implement that on his Twitter account as or well. Or to delete his account. Or to delete his account entirely. That would make it a lot easier. But... Yes, there is good sentiment coming out of the States. Is it necessary because of Trump? I highly doubt it. America has always been great. It was great before Trump. It will be great after Trump. Even in the days of Obama, there was significant job growth following the, the um, financial crisis. For a president who came in during those times, he did an exceptional job. But I think every era calls for a different type of leadership. And maybe Trump is exactly what the era needs now. Um, do I think he's going to necessarily remain in power? Well, that's open for debate. But the American economy is looking good, and that is positive for the rest of the world. That boosts financial markets globally, and it actually boosts trades globally as well. The dollar, the rand, that, that's always the benchmark. What is the rand doing to the dollar? There are other, the other, the other currencies. There's, you know, there's the pound, there's the Chinese currency, there's, there's the German currency. Why do we peg it to the dollar? I think the dollar is just universally used to actually get a sense of what is a value relative to global standards. Um, typically, the dollar is most commonly used. It's used as a value estimation of where goods are trading at, what's the value of an economy on a global scale. Um, more importantly, though, I think that South Africans keep a closer eye on China rather than the States to get a feel as to where the South African economy and our currency is going. But before we get to China, let's just, I mean, I was introduced and opened up about, you know, going overseas and paying for stuff overseas. Every time I've asked this question, it's always given with the answers, with the, given with the, with the, uh, with the disclaimer that we don't really know. But what is Peregrine Treasury's, you know, prediction or estimation or outlook for 2018 with the Rand dollar? Okay, first of all, if you look into a crystal ball, you tend to cut your hands. Um, and you get a round one. <laughs> you, the problem is you drop it often. <laughs> we don't want to be picking up the pieces. Okay, now let's be more. It gets shattered from time to time. It gets shattered completely, <laughs> annihilated. Um, but we do tend to have a general feel and a house view as to what is happening in the rand. Currently, it's performing very well. Um, local politics is responsible for the immediate and short-term movements we're seeing while the economic backdrop backdrop um, globally is basically predicting what we are going to see in the future. Currently, we still do feel that the RAND is overvalued at current levels, could potentially see it push back to the fundamental value, which is closer to about, about 1320. But that's not a big move. It's not a massive move, no, but this should be good news. 
I mean, if the rain tends to weaken, um, people would definitely become a bit anxious if it blows out by five rand. If it strengthens by five rand, they think it's going to strengthen by another five rand. <laughs> so unfortunately, that bias does exist. Um, but for the rest of the year, I mean, we're going to focus a lot on politics. I think politics is not going anywhere very quickly. We've got states of the nation that we need to look at, budgets, um, speech that's coming up in Feb, and then as well the anticipated Moody's release on what their rating will actually be. Um, for now, the bias is towards a stronger rand. Range is pretty tight at about 1220 to 1235 at the moment. Um, any negative news coming in from South African politics from the local market could see it pushed closer to about 1240 but it's very stable at the moment which should be good news for everybody complaining about the volatility all the time you know our current president jacob zuma president jacob zuma really uh, stood up uh, a while ago and said you can't blame south africa for poor economic growth a lot of it has to do with international factors that are exogenous they're beyond our control and of course because President Jacob Zuma said that. Everyone said, yeah, yeah. But there is definitely some truth in that statement. If the rare, if the dollar has big swings, either strengthens or weakens, that's an exogenous um, item that we can't control um, or it's, it's out of the ambit of South Africa to worry about. That will definitely affect the RAND, won't it? Yes, it definitely affects the RAND. I think a lot of time what happens is we're so focused on our little bubble, our cocoon in South Africa, that we think that if the RAND is strong, we are being fantastic, and if the RAND or weak is weak, then we are doing something that's affecting us. And that's not necessarily always the case. Global Factors do have an effect. Um, just on Zuma's statement, though, yes, South Africa's economic growth is affected by the global market. But if the global market is is expanding and there's a strong economic growth coming out of that market and we lagging behind, then it is quite obvious that the problem lies locally. Except for uh, I'm no great fan of President Zuma and definitely all of his economic policies. But that was also said in a very bare um, resources market. So our, our biggest export was also not firing on all cylinders. So there was some truth to what he said. But let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue talking all things currency. Avi on money. 12 to 1 p.m. Only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. It's 21 minutes past 12. Please be in touch with us. The studio number is 010-140-3020. And you know the SMS number. Please give us an SMS. Um, the number is 34515 if you want to let us know what's going on. 34519. Sorry about that. Thank you very much for that. I've been saying it for five years and I've just got it wrong. Um, please send through um, SMSs so we know what's going on. There are some SMSs coming through and what someone who wants to know um, on the SMS line, Bianca, is that mining output, does mining output where we are obviously mining more, does that affect the strength or the weakness of the RAND or is it the other way around? Is that the strength or the weakness of the RAND affects mining output? So that answer is actually both correct. Um, but when you go look at mining output, what actually what it does impl- um, affect immediately is your trade balance. Right. Your trade balance in effect has an effect on the rand again. Um, more mining output would mean a smaller trade deficit, while less mining output would mean a greater um, trade deficit and then hence a weaker rand. Okay, so the two sort of work hand in hand. But the bottom line is that we know that from the 
really poor market that we've had in resources. The mines are a lot more efficient than they've ever been. Um, a lot of the fat has been cut out, a lot of the expenses. If the mine, if the mine wasn't profitable, it's just sold. Absolutely. And now we're really running lean, mean machines, which means that the profit margins are potentially greater as the dollar price increases per ounce. Every cent of dollar that goes up, so the profit increases. And then that, therefore, have an, an, an impact on the rand. Um, you mentioned before the issue with Trump and North Korea. You know, there's, a, there's an economic expression that war is good for business. We know the Rothschilds made a lot of money during the Napoleonic Wars, especially the Battle of Waterloo. They used pigeons and they had couriers and the whole story, and they watched the war. You know, like we would watch it and see it. They actually stood there watching it. So at the moment it swayed in the favor of England, they let their shareholders know about it so that the market prices could be manipulated in their in their favor. Um, but war is good because it stimulates the economy. It gets companies spending and all that. The ultimate outcome is that I think this is the first time that anybody's really given North Korea the finger, so to speak. And all of a sudden, there's communication now between North and South Korea. There's Olympic teams. There's this. There's that. I don't know if you saw what's going on. All of a sudden, there's not like you know bilateral communication. But war in general does stimulate an economy. Would a confrontation like that necessarily affect the rand? I know it's a bit of a long shot question. It definitely would. So if it stimulates the, the U.S. economy, you'll actually see that the global economy will be stimulated. The U.S. is not a manufacturing economy. And they will actually need to source these goods to go to war with from somewhere. And potentially South Africa could partake in that. Okay, so funny enough, America is slowly becoming a manufacturing economy yet once again. That was Trump's first promise that yes, he kept was to, to bring those, those car manufacturers in. Um, but then again, you need to look at the efficiency of the American worker, I suppose. That's a whole other discussion and on its own. And the labor cost per hour, that will have a big effect on it. Correct. Uh, that's a discussion for another time. But I, I, I find those, those, those conversations absolutely fascinating. The labor cost and the, if the productivity of the labor. You know, um, during the whole Marikana saga, the South African mine was saying that an equivalent miner in Australia is earning 15 times what a South African miner is earning. When you go look at the skill set, they're worlds apart. They're doing the same function. They're extracting ore from a body. But the way they're doing it, the mechanization they have behind them, allows them to be so much more efficient. So we've got to just take all those things into account. Um, while we're waiting for some more questions to come through, if tomorrow morning you got a call from Sir Ramaphosa and he said to you, young man, would you uh, please be my next Minister of Finance? And you said, with the greatest of pleasure, so long as I don't have to be a card-carrying member of the ANC, and they made you Minister of Finance tomorrow. And the biggest item on your inbox, there's only one thing. The, the president put a big R and he said to you, our currency. I want you to make sure that it's the best place and in the healthiest position it could be. What would you do? Stimulate economic growth, stimulate production, get sentiment going. As long as we as South Africans believe in our country and we are spending in our country, we can promote GDP. If we've got strong GDP, we can get the rest of the world to believe in our country and send their money here. On that note, I had a immigration specialist in my office yesterday. Just happens to be a client. They're one of the biggest Australian immigration 
And he says to me, you know, every morning when he looks at his emails, he's actually surprised that there's a doctor, a plumber, an electrician, a surgeon, a hairdresser left in the country. Because the amount of applications they're processing, he almost thinks that like they've hemorrhaged the country dry already. There's no one there. And I smiled because at the same time, what you have got is an emerging middle class that is already there and it's just burgeoning at the moment, growing and developing without the mindset that I've got one foot in Sydney. They got both feet firmly planted here and they had to make this country grow. Isn't that an amazing economic catalyst that you've got people who are not going anywhere but are determined to make this country work? Absolutely. I think the more young people we can actually get to stay in the country, practice their skill in the country, the better the economic growth will be. And it's actually very promising to see that a lot of people my age, and when I say my age, I won't give it away completely. So let's say between the age of 25 to 35. Um, actually hangs around and there's a lot of optimism from this age group coming through saying but we're backing the country we're definitely not going to where Zimbabwe is and there's so much scope for the growth of this country and the potential that South Africa holds for the future maybe just 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 continue on that thought a little bit um let's talk about people under the age of 35 you're clearly a professional in a listed company that has offices both here in South Africa and in London and in elsewhere, has done very well but was founded literally two blocks down the road from where we're sitting here today. You here, your your surname is Buertus. Um, you, you're clearly a South African family that's been here for a couple of years and yet you talk with such confidence, yet when we talk of air, there's a healthy dose of realism. You're not a naive ostrich with your head in the sand you see things for where they are when you talk about that age group and you talk about colleagues you talk about friends what is the sentiment of younger people i'm slightly out of that age group my kids are slightly younger than that age group what is just because all of a sudden i'm getting this tremendous sense of anchorage if that's the right word from you where i'm a young professional i'm white i'm female and i'm here to stay what is the mood when you sit around the Brian talk? Absolutely. I think that's our age group comes from a different era than what the older age group would necessarily come from. Um, I think a big mistake that's made with the older age group is they often compare it with how things used to be 20 years ago. The when we's. Absolutely. And we don't have that reference. We know what we see now in the market. This is the market we know. This is the market we're comfortable with and that we operate in and quite successfully so. I think there's a lot more to do with unif- being a unified nation in our, in our age generation. Um, we're not looking at each other to try and see, but you know, you're not really part of us because of race or gender or color or, you know, whatever the case might be or religion. Um, we seen as one unit moving forward, driving the economy, we get the job done, and how can we actually do it as efficiently and as quickly as possible and still have some benefit to ourselves in in that whole realm of making profit and stimulating the economy? Uh, an example I often give is that I overheard a client and, and, and one of my staff members talking. Um, they're both the same age, and they've got little kids in nursery school, and they're talking about nursery schools in Kempton. And this conversation was going on, and I was just, you know, listening to go on and on and on. These two white ladies, and they're talking about schools, and it came up at the one schools in a church hall, and one lady said, is it a religious school? And the other one showed her, it's not religious, it's just using the facility. 
And then they compared notes. And as I was about to leave, I said, you know, you never actually discussed the demographics of the school. What type of kids are there? Where are they from? This, And they looked at me, both of them, with this incredulous look. These are ladies in the early 30s, maybe late 20s, early 30s, to say, what difference does it make? Okay. If you think like that, your child will never go to school. Yes, that's very says, true. If you're in South Africa, you're a South African. And the quicker you get that out of your psyche the quicker you are going to fit into society and the better for everything. That's exactly what I'm hearing from you. It, you know, uh, the media, the mainstream media, and often um, the ANC beat that drum very hard. We had major agencies coming up with terminology to separate our economy. And it's interesting to see what happens with the assets uh, that are being uh, seized today or the process of science today. But yet, what you're saying is that let them make their noise. Let them do what they need to do. I'm going to work after this show. I don't care who the colleague is next to me. I don't care who the people, person next to me in the restaurant is tonight. And on the weekend, I don't care who's sitting in the seat next to me in the movie. We are South Africans, and we're going to make this place work. Absolutely. That's definitely the feel coming from our generation. I mean, especially in the in the work environment, your only concern is the person next to you competent or they capable of doing their job and the rest is irrelevant. What they dress, what church they go to, what school they attended, it's really not applicable to when you're interacting with these people. It comes down to what do we have in common? What are we sharing and celebrating as a unit rather than, you know, you but you don't go to the same church as I do or you don't like the same clothes as I do. It's completely irrelevant. Maybe when we follow that way of thinking and we mature and we become secure within ourselves, that will be relevant because your religion might be different to my religion. But if we can sit around and I can learn or I can gain or I can take something away from a discussion from our differences, then I'm richer. Absolutely. And we shouldn't discount the differences. We should celebrate the differences. So long as I don't say to you, well, yours is wrong and yours is bad, and therefore I don't want you in my, in my environment. So long as I accept you for who you are, if I can learn, if I can take something away, then those differences should be celebrated. Definitely. Going forward, again, we said this crystal ball is a dangerous thing, but on this conversation now, because what we've just spoken about for the last eight minutes is sentiment. And your sentiment is positive. And I often say that the South African people are a lot more resilient than people give them benefit for. We survived sanctions, where basically the world tried to strangle us and nothing really happened. So we didn't have Volvos, big deal. Um, we, we, we went through a election which the world still celebrates. We are a democracy which the world still celebrates. And that's why I will always refer to President Zuma as President Zuma, because he's a democratically fair and freely elected president. There was no shenanigans there. Our elections have always been free and fair, and there are models the rest of the world as to how they should be run. But once you take all that divisiveness away and you look at this, could we ever get back to a point, and is there a benefit of having a rand that's five to the dollar? Not in the near future. I've never seen you hesitate for an answer before. <laughs> so is it ideal? Absolutely. I mean, blue sky in South Africa is always brilliant. Is it? Yes. Why? Currently, South Africa is not a, productive, a producing nation. Right. I mean, we import everything, let's be honest. Unless we can actually stimulate producing and manufacturing again, then a strong rand is 
positive because that means the stuff we're importing to use as a consumer-driven economy is cheaper. Correct. It's easier for everybody to live from. On the other hand, if we can stimulate production, manufacturing, then no, then you want the RAND to be slightly weaker so that you can get a, a positive budget um, or not necessarily budget, but current account. And so that you can actually drive those exports because the cheaper or the, the weaker the RAND, the cheaper our exports, the more people will buy it offshore. Unless the inputs are cheaper. Unless the inputs are cheaper. So I think there's a happy medium that should be found. Um, in life, everything is about balance. So you can't have a rand that is equal to the dollar. I mean, that's just not realistic for a growing economy, for a somewhat immature economy I to mean, have our, it. Our GDP is smaller than of California. Precisely. So it's just it's just not viable. Um, but should it be at 16, 17 rand a dollar? Absolutely not, because that once again actually strangles the economy. So we need to get to a place where it's actually well balanced. And personally, I think that is between about 10 to 12 rand, and that is my view completely on my own. Um, but is five or six a viable number, depending on the scope and the dynamics of the economy? So if we got there, we would be, there'd be more smiles and frowns. Yes, I think people would see it as a better opportunity in South Africa. Unfortunately, people do take the RAN and they they link their sentiments to the country as to what is happening to the RAN. The RAN, the strong people are feeling upbeat. They think that the economy is doing well. And to a sense, yes, it is. But you need to look at all the dynamics at play, not just as a, at a single element. When it, when it comes to imports... Um you know, ultimately, as you kept saying, the the, the 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 balance of payments is what it's all about. As an economy, you want to export more than you're importing. I was, you want to sell more than you're buying. Yes. But there's certain things that you need to buy because you just don't have them. Um, minerals we've got, but certain manufactured items we don't have. But things do come to our economy. When it comes to our our trading partners in SADC and South African Southern African um, trading bloc are their currencies do they have any bearing on the RAND? No we actually see that the RAND has bearing on their currencies What would be the strongest currency in Southern Africa that, that we would deal with? Obviously not the Zimbabwe because that's the US dollar but the, the Botswana the Botswana Pula is actually very strong. I mean, it's sitting at, normally it's sitting at about, um, around 30 per Botswana Pula. So it's actually stronger than the Rand. Um, that being said, they also have a very, very sustainable economy currently. I mean, it's mostly driven by, by resources and it's coming out of a fairly low base. So the growth you're seeing there is quite exceptional. The moment it reaches the level of sophistication that the South African economy has, you might even see that flatten out. Except for they have, we have one thing that Botswana will never have. Electricity. Now, Botswana, I think, has electricity. Supplied by South Africa. Okay, but <laughs> they don't have population. They have a very, very small population. So you, you just don't have the buying power. But you do see a lot of South Africans actually moving to Botswana. They like the, the environment, the traditions. They like that there's so much space. They like the law and order. They like the law and order. Um, for instance, alcohol is one of the most expensive things in Botswana because of the excessive duties paid on it. I think that's also going to do with Ian Karma's very uptight and anal way of ruling. And I don't say it in a negative sense. Um, I don't know if you know the famous story of he was driving home one day when, and you saw a whole lot of guys on the side of the road having brass. 
And he stopped. And he said to this guy, I was like, what are you doing? Oh, it's the weekend. And we're celebrating. And no, no, no. He said, and, and where are your families? He said, no, my wife's at home. My kid's at home. He passed a rule in Parliament, an act in Parliament, that you cannot bribe in public. Yeah. Because he said to these guys, you should be with your families on the weekend, not standing on the roadside. And uh, that, that could only happen in, in Botswana. That really wouldn't happen anywhere else. But are there no other um, currencies in say, um, Namibia, um, Mozambique? Do they not have a bearing on us at all? Or do we have a bearing on them, as you say? We have a bearing on them, definitely have a bearing on them. And that's mostly because of the economic activity taking place. Um, a, there's not significant trade. If you look at South Africa and these other Saudi countries, there's not significant amount of trading. And when this trading takes place, it takes place in dollars, U.S. dollars. So that's the currency of preference? That's the currency most African countries are using, yes. Okay, Bianca, we need to take a, a quick break. When we come back, there's just one or two questions we need to answer, and we'll be back with you in a moment. Avi on money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. In studio with me is Bianca Bortas from Peregrine, and we've been discussing the RAND. So what we've really said is that you see the RAND being stable for the year going forward, and the factors are the, the economic uncertainty seems to have leveled out, and we seem to have some sort of predictability going forward. We are seeing growth, even though it's really coming off a low base, so to speak, and it's small figures. We need to see 3% plus, and we're seeing yes. not even half of that. And lastly, we're seeing sentiment in the country changing, and that's because people are just not petrified anymore because they've got certainty as to what's going on but just before the show and it just popped into my mind we were discussing that the retailers the food retailers shares are already down which means that they had a bit of a rough late 2017 and they they didn't put through what they thought they would put through um but again the anc conference only happened in mid-december yes so that sentiment's going to come through now going forward what are the factors that we need to look at for a positive RAND, for the RAND to keep strengthening? What are the things on the horizon that we should be aware of? If these things happen, we should see a stronger RAND. So, A, you don't want the U.S. to actually hike their rates too significantly too quickly. So from a global perspective, it's definitely keeping an eye on the United States um, interest rates. B, you want to see strong economic growth coming from China. As we know, they consume about 50% of the world's commodities, and we are commodity-driven currencies, so we need to see strong prices in commodities coming through. And then from a local perspective, we need to see strong government policy coming through. These policies, even though, yes, to an extent, they need to be slightly populist, they need to make sure that it caters for the entire economy, the entire population. It also needs to be pro-economic policies. We need to create jobs so that we can create wealth across the board. And that, again, is something that Trevor Manuel did so well all those years back where he bucked the trend of populist economics and he put sound economic um, um, foundations in place. So in 2008, 2009, meltdown came. We basically sort of walked away slightly unscathed because he didn't listen to what was almost expected from him and did what was the correct thing to do. Trevor Man um, um, Sonoramaposa was already beating the wrong drum, you know, from, from one or two points of view. Do you think that is policy or do you think that is just sort of playing to the audience at the moment in order just to align himself because he needs to overhaul the whole echelon of the ANC? 
Absolutely. I think he's on a very, very fine line at the moment because A, he needs to keep the ANC happy to avoid that it's further divided, um, which will actually lead to more political instability and be weak for the economy and the RAND. And then also knowing what needs to be done to actually stimulate the economy. He's come forth with quite a few good ideas in terms of stimulating the economy. We saw his 10 point plan, for instance. Um, but yes, I think he is speaking to the crowd trying to just keep them happy at the moment versus shaking the boat too much. Um, but I think we'll definitely see some good growth policies coming from him. And if we don't, then it's going to be more much of the same, basically. Um, it will literally be the same type of sentiment we saw with Zuma. And then it will, very hard for, it will be very hard for the ANC to actually survive 2019. And also, South Africa will become a very boring place if Zuma Mapoza gets it right. What's going to happen in Parliament? What's the DA going to do? What's the EFF going to do? Well, I think they'll always find some way to try and stay relevant. <laughs> I mean, they, they can be quite creative at times. You know, I suppose necessity, necessity is a mother of invention. And I suppose our wish is that the ANC gets it right. Absolutely. So that the opposition parties need to be creative with sort of criticizing them and coming up with even better ideas so we can just catapult our, our economy into, into, the, into the year going forward. Well, Bianca, I think it was a great discussion. Thank you very much for coming in as always. Um, thank you for always being available. And uh, everything the best for you for 2018. Thank you. Same Have a great you. holiday. And um, thank everybody for listening. Next week, just to give you the heads up, next week we've got a very, very interesting show coming up. Michelle's just trying to finalize it. But we've now spent two weeks discussing the economy, two weeks, weeks discussing macro and micro policy. I want to spend next week looking at a particular business that people didn't, wouldn't think really generates cash, but yet they're sitting on mountains of cash from a very, very few clients. Um, I'm sure we'll put out a, a feed a, a day or two before the show to let you know what it is. We just want to finalize it, but thank you for listening. Have a great week, and we'll speak to you next week.